Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. We have been reintroducing the world. Praise God. And um, so with that said today, um, I, we want to welcome our online family from all over the world. Praise God. Welcome to Word of Life. Praise God. We appreciate you joining us today. Hallelujah. And, uh, you, you know, I was meditating on this scripture today, uh, this, this morning early, in John chapter 4, verse number 34. Now, this comes from uh, the story of the woman at the well that Jesus encountered. And... Uh, that, that he ministered to there at the well. You can read this story for yourself. But Jesus had spent some time ministering to this woman at the well, and his disciples had gone into the city. And when they returned, uh, you know, they, they expected Jesus to be hungry. And he, he wasn't hungry. They said, so does somebody bring you something to eat? And Jesus said, I've got food that you don't know about. And he said, uh, they, you know, they didn't understand. And Jesus a lot of times made statements that, that piqued their curiosity. And uh, so they wanted to know what he was talking about. And Jesus said in, in verse number 34, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Now, he said that in the context of what he had just done. Now, what did Jesus do? Jesus, the Bible tells us, if we read that story in John the fourth chapter, that Jesus and his disciples, they were traveling, and it says that he needed to go to Samaria. Now, Samaria was a place that the Jews didn't typically go. In fact, uh, uh, they would walk around Samaria, though it was a much longer trip. They avoided Samaria because the Samaritan people were a people that were a, a, uh, a crossbreed of people. In other words, they were part Jew and part something else. And so uh, the Jews looked down on them because in, in, under the law, God had forbidden uh, marriage with other nations. And so because of that, the, the, uh, the Samaritans were the offspring of a mixed race. Uh, and, and so um, 
the Jews looked down on them. And I mean, we think that racism is a new thing. No, it's not. It, it was going on back then as well. But Jesus needed to go to Samaria. And when he went to Samaria, think of it this way. Samaria is typical of a foreign country. All right? Samaria, you know, I'm talking today about reintroducing the world and reintroducing, you know, to going into all the world. Pastor Jason is going to be speaking next week on our home missions. And uh, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And I've heard people say, well, I can do missions at home. I, I can do missions without ever leaving, without ever going out, out of my hometown. And that's true. You can. We can do missions at home. And we do missions at home. But what you can't do without ever leaving home is go into all the world. You, get, you see that? You, you can't go into all the world without actually going to all the world. And so, uh, you know, the commission was to go into all the world. That includes your hometown. That includes your backyard. That includes your workplace. But it doesn't stop there. That's only part of the world. We've got to go into all the world. And there again, I said, that's, that's a corporate Commission. Now, last week we announced that we had just partnered with some um, churches in the Philippines. And, uh, you know, I was in the Philippines one day and I was just thinking, okay, so if, if I wanted to go to every island, there's 7,110 islands in the Philippines. If I was to go to every island, and if I visited one island per day, it would take me 20 years to go to every island. That's not every nation. That's just every island of one nation. And that one nation is only uh, landmass, only about the size of the state of New Mexico. And so it's not all that big. It's just really scattered out because of the island. And, and, uh, uh, but Jesus had gone to Samaria, and he needed to go there, and he had just ministered to this woman at the well and uh, he told her he said go call your husband and she said well I don't have a husband I have uh, uh, Jesus said well, that's what you said is true because you've had five husbands and the guy you're living with now is not your husband and so uh, she went and she called the men of the city and um, they came and they came to hear because she told them, she said, come and meet this man that I met that told me everything I ever did. And so they came and Jesus taught them. In fact, the Bible says that he stayed two more days there and taught them and so uh, you know there, there's quite a bit of significance in that first of all he's in a foreign country he's with the outcast of the city this woman was not real popular we we know that in part because she was at the well in the heat of the day that's not when you go to the well uh, and it's 
speculated that she, even though the scripture doesn't come right out and say it, it's speculated that she probably was at the well because she was kind of the reject of the town. And, uh, you know, uh, she's had five husbands and now she's got another guy that she's not married to and she's, she's living with him and so she is the outcast of the city, the reject of the city and uh, of a people who are rejects. And so Jesus sends her to, to go, go tell your husband. Well, she goes in, she tells all the men of the city, they come and they come to, to meet Jesus. They come to listen to Jesus. So Jesus, he's gone to a foreign country and he's gone to the outcast of the foreign country. And, and, and while he is there, he ministers to them two days. Now, the scripture tells us that with the Lord a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as a day. So I believe that Jesus reveals to us that the age of evangelism is 2,000 years, give or take. You know, I mean, we're, we're right at 2,000 years. We're, we're there, you know. We're a little beyond 2,000 years. And, and so... Um, you know that's that's not a hard number that exactly two thousand years, but it's a it it, it, it is a a um, a general idea of how long Jesus is going to be gone. So, so he gave us the age of evangelism being two thousand years long. So we're at the end of that. Praise God. And though, notice what he says. They, they want to know if he's had anything to eat. And he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Now, when he said it's my food, you know, I haven't skipped very many meals in my life. Few, but, you know, not very many. And so... Uh, we don't like to skip meals. Anybody just love fasting and you look forward to fasting. You know, you look forward to not eating for a week. You know. But it seems to me that when it comes to the will of him who sent us, that a lot of people are skipping some meals. He said, this is my food. This is... You know, what, what's food? Well, you, you have to have, in order to survive, you've got to have food. You can go for a certain period of time without food, but you have to have food. And Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish the work. Well, we have an unfinished job and the reason we're not getting the job finished is because too many people are on a diet too many people are not eating the food of doing the will of him who sent us and finishing his work praise God now in Matthew chapter 9 verse number 35 notice this Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, 
preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Now, let me ask you this question. It says Jesus was moved with compassion. So the question is, what moves you? What moves you? When you look at the world, you know, I know a whole lot of Christians that look at the world and get mad. That's, that's all they do is get mad. They, they, they're not moved with compassion. In fact, they're moved with anger. They're, they're mad at the behavior of sinners. I don't know why they find it so shocking that sinners sin. You know, I, I don't know why that's such a, a, a revelation that sinners sin uh, and, and why they think that's a new thing because it's been going on for a very long time. And uh, so instead of, let, let me just challenge you with this, to make it an intentional point in your life that when you see the lost, when you see sinners sinning, don't get mad, get moved with compassion. Praise God. Jesus saw them and he was moved with compassion because he saw them as sheep that were scattered because they didn't have a shepherd. Praise God. And then in Matthew chapter 9, verse number 37, he goes on and he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now, I don't know, anybody ever driven across Kansas at harvest time? Seen the, the wheat fields that you could just see forever? Wheat, wheat everywhere. As far as the eye can see, it's wheat. It was harvest time. This is what Jesus is seeing. But I want you to realize that Jesus didn't see the enormity of the harvest. He saw the possibility of the harvest. You see, and we have been looking and seeing the enormity of the harvest and, and uh, just throwing up our hands and said, well, there's no way. But uh, notice he said... I want you to pray the first thing he told them to do about it. When you see the harvest that is plentiful, there's no shortage of harvest. How many know that in this world today, there is no shortage of harvest for the kingdom of God? There is no shortage of harvest. There is not one person that look, that's looking for a harvest field that can't find one. Praise God. He said, look as far as the eye can see, there is harvest. And then he said, pray for the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into the harvest field. He said, there's plenty of harvest, 
but there is a shortage of laborers. Praise God. And so if there is a shortage of laborers, you know, here's the thing that I, that I see. Several years ago, I was studying to, to preach on a message like this. And I, I saw some statistics that, you know, I was wondering, okay, how many people die every day? How many people go into eternity every day? And at that time, statistics said that 105 people will go into eternity every, not day, but minute. 105 people will go into eternity every minute. And according to statistics, one-third of the earth's population, you could argue the statistics if you want to, but we're going to take it at face value for our purposes today. So according to statistics, they say that two, or excuse me, one-third of the population of the earth professes Christianity. And so if that's true, and of 105 people that go into eternity every minute, 72 of those will go into eternity without Christ. Now, with that being said, we talk about time being short. And, you know, some will say, well, Jesus is coming. He could come today. Others say, well, he's not coming for another 100 years. Well, I know that for 105 people, for 72 of those people that are going to enter eternity, they've got one minute. That's pretty short. Praise God. And so uh, there is an abundance of harvest, but there is a shortage of laborers. And part of the reason there is a shortage of laborers is because Christians look at the world and get mad instead of being moved with compassion. Now, here he says, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. Now, that's at the end of, that's verse 38 of the ninth chapter of Matthew. That's the last verse in ninth chapter of Matthew, chapter 10, verse number 1. And when he had called his disciples, his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. And he sent them out. So, my point in this is, first of all, he says, look, the har there's plenty of harvest, not enough laborers. He says, the harvest is ready. And then he says, now pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. So I believe that when he said pray for the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest field, I believe they did. And verse 10, or chapter 10, verse number 1, is his response, his answer to their prayer. So what did he do? He said, look, there's a harvest field, plenty of harvest, 
not enough laborers. So pray for the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. So they begin to pray. And they begin to pray, oh Lord, you see there's an abundant harvest. So I pray that you would send laborers into your harvest field. And so then the Lord of the harvest says, okay, I'm going to answer your prayer. Go. Hmm. I wonder if that's what they thought was going to be the answer to their prayer. You see, we have a mentality, a somebody else will do it mentality. And, you know, I heard something one time that said, everybody thought somebody would do it, but nobody did it. And that's the problem that we have many times with world missions. We think that somebody will do it, and nobody does it. And so, you know, I want us to pray the Lord of the harvest to send out labors, but when you pray that, be aware he's going to answer by saying, okay, go. Praise God. He's going, to, he's going to answer by responding to you, then go into the harvest field. Now, as I have mentioned over the last couple of weeks, I've mentioned that when we put our treasure, our heart goes where our treasure is. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And I know people, well, I, I, I'm, I'm with you in spirit. Did you put any treasure in it? Where did you put your treasure? Well, my treasure is on a boat trailer, uh, you know, at, at the lake. My treasure is in this or in that, and, and, you know, all of the things that people get caught up in doing, well, that's where they put their treasure. Don't tell me your heart is here. Don't tell me your heart is in world missions when you put all of your treasure in an RV. Don't tell me that your heart is in missions when you haven't put any treasure there. Jesus said either Jesus was lying or didn't know what he was talking about or it's the truth. I believe it's the truth that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Praise God. So Jesus, you know, he wasn't overwhelmed by the uh, enormity of the harvest. He was excited about the opportunity of the harvest. Praise God. Now, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, you know, Jesus went, he went into the harvest field, and he saw as he went into the harvest field that there was plenty of harvest. But he began to realize that there wasn't enough laborers to bring on in all that harvest. Praise God. Now, in Matthew chapter 20, I want you to get this. Beginning with verse number one. 
It says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius, a day, that's a day's wages for a day, a, a common day's wages for a day's work, he says, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour, and he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Now, he, he kept going back. You know, he went the third hour. Then again, he went at the sixth hour. He did likewise. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing idle. And he said to them, Why have you been standing here idle all day? And they said, Because no one hired us. And he said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, you will receive. So why were they standing in the marketplace? They said, we're standing here because no one has hired us. Well, let me tell you, when you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you just got hired. All right, so if you have been, if you, if you haven't received Jesus as your Savior, well, you can be standing in the marketplace. But if you have received Jesus as your Savior, you just got hired. So, he said, go ahead and go into the vineyard. Now, no, where are we at in this story? We are the 11th hour. And so, some are still standing idle. And it's not because, they've been, because they haven't been hired. It's because they haven't realized they've been hired. Because they haven't realized that they've been sent. You know, we've got to get rid of the somebody else will do it mentality. Praise God. Now, he gave each of them at the end of the day. See, what's the deal? Jesus is the Lord of the harvest. Jesus is the vineyard owner. Jesus is going into the vineyard and he's saying, I've hired these guys. They're working to get this job done, but they can't possibly finish this job by the end of the day. So, third hour, he goes and he finds some more. And he brings some more in. And at the sixth hour, he goes and he sees, they're not going to make it. So he goes and hires some more. And the ninth hour, he goes and hires some more. The eleventh hour, he goes and hires some more. Why does he keep going back and hiring more laborers? Because he wants all of this in, all of this harvest in. He doesn't want, at the end of the day, he doesn't want harvest left on the vine. Jesus sees the world. He's not overcome or overwhelmed by the size of the harvest. He says, I've got a plan. I'll just go find some more laborers. 
Praise God. I'll go find some more to come and to reap this harvest and to get this harvest in. In Luke chapter 12, verse number 48. But he who did not know, yet committed things deserving of stripes, shall be beaten with few. For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. So, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He told us what to preach. Some have been unsuccessful in the harvest field, and so they gave up. You know, I talked to a a pastor, it's been several years ago, that I talked to a pastor friend of mine who made this statement, nobody wants to hear the gospel anymore. And I thought, what a sad statement to be coming from a pastor. You know, why are you doing what you do if you don't believe anybody wants to hear it? You know, problem is, many are, they've gone into the harvest field, but they're not preaching the gospel. They're preaching a message, but the message they're preaching is not the gospel. Jesus said, when you go into the harvest field, he said, preach the gospel. When you go into all the world, preach the gospel. What does the word gospel mean? The word gospel means good news. Now, how do we identify the gospel? Well, first of all, is it good news? Secondly, we identify the gospel. The Apostle Paul made this statement when he, when he was uh, writing to the Romans. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. So he said, the gospel is the thing that will work to bring in the harvest. The gospel is the thing that will work. The good news is the thing that will work to bring in the harvest. And then he goes on and he further tells us this. He says, for in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. Now, what's the righteousness of God? The righteousness of God is that Jesus Christ came and he went to the cross and he paid for your sins and my sins and he rose again from the dead and now if I put my trust in what he did I will be saved many think the gospel is you have to fix all the mess in your life and then you can come to God Many think the gospel, the word, many think that when you use the word gospel, well, you have to preach the whole gospel. And what they usually mean by that is you've got to condemn people. But John 3, 17 says, God didn't send his son to the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So, in other words, in John three seventeen, 
Notice that. Let me, let me quote that again. He says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. If condemnation would save the world, see, He made a distinction there that con condemning the world was something different from salvation. And many people are going into the world and condemning the world. And they think, now they've got a good heart, they want to do right, they think they're doing what the Lord said to do. But he didn't say, if he didn't send Jesus to condemn the world, surely he didn't send you to condemn the world. So, he said, salvation is something different. It is the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. It's the goodness of God that leads men to change their mind about God. That's what repentance actually means, to change your mind about God. And so, you know, they, the world, they have an idea about God. You know, I, I stood in the foyer out here one day with a man that had come by and uh, wanted some work to do. So I gave him some work to do. And when I got ready to pay him, you know, I'm, I'm standing there and I'm sharing the, with him. And I asked him, I said, so what? I said, when, when I talk about God, what do you think of? And the first thing that he said was judgment. He said, I, I think of, uh, you know, God as, as angry and, and mad at our sins. And, you know, and so he had a wrong idea about God. Well, how am I going to change his mind about God? By telling him God's going to judge him and send him to hell? Is that how you change a man's mind who already thinks God's mad at him and wants to send him to hell? No, I'm going to change his mind about God by telling him about the goodness of God. By telling him that Jesus came to this world and went to a cross and paid for his sins. And that Jesus took the punishment and the judgment. That all of the judgment for his sins fell upon Jesus. That's the goodness of God. And that's what leads men to change their mind about God. They already believe God's mad at them. They already believe God hates them, that He's angry with them, that He just that He wants to judge them, that He don't even like them, and He barely even tolerates them. That's what they already believe. And how am I going to change their mind about that? How am I going to bring them to repentance by reinforcing what they already believe? No, I'm going to change their mind by telling them about the goodness of God that so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son that whoever believes upon Him would not perish but have everlasting life. John 3.16 is the essence of the gospel. It's the essence of the good news. And so... Many people are, they got the go part, 
And so some are going, but what they're doing when they go is not preaching the gospel. They're just reinforcing what the world's already believed. Do you realize that we can, if we're thinking we're doing what, you know, I had a friend that a few years ago I was talking to him and, and he um, had a brand new uh, Ford pickup with a diesel engine in it. And he was traveling one night and he was very tired. He said he probably shouldn't have even been driving. But he pulled in to fuel up and he put gasoline instead of diesel fuel in his gas tank, fuel tank. And he said a few miles down the road, it began to knock like crazy. And, uh, you know, he ruined that brand spanking new expensive pickup truck engine by putting the wrong fuel in it. You know, we can think we're fueling up with the right fuel, but if we're putting gasoline in our diesel engine, if we're putting condemnation in our good news engine, something's going to go wrong. And, you know, because I'm a nice guy, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't have been so nice, but because I'm a nice guy, I didn't tell that pastor friend why people didn't want to hear the message he was preaching. Maybe, maybe I should have, but I didn't. Uh, but I contend that no, people don't want to hear your condemnation. But I believe the world is waiting to hear our good news. Praise God. They're waiting to hear that somebody is madly in love with them. They're waiting to hear that God did something about their sins. He didn't just tell them to do something about it. He did something about their sins. Sin had to be dealt with, so he dealt with it. Praise God. Do you realize that when Jesus was nailed to the cross, that he became a magnet for the curse? All the curse came upon him because he was nailed to a tree. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That's what the scripture says. And so Jesus was nailed to the tree, and the reason he was nailed to a tree is so the curse would come upon him. That's why he did what he did. See, the good news is God knew what would cause the curse to come upon him. So that's what he made sure happened to Jesus. You know, when the fullness of time had come, 
God sent forth his son into the world. Well, part of the fullness of time is that the Roman Empire had to be ruling the world at that time. Why? Because the Roman Empire executed by nailing to a tree. And he knew if I bring Jesus into the world at this time in history, they will nail him to a tree. The Jews would have stoned him. And the job wouldn't have been done. But Jesus got him on a cross. Or God got Jesus on a cross. So the curse would come upon him. You see, we could go on and on and on with the good news of all that God did in putting everything in place for Jesus to become the scapegoat. For Jesus to become the one that all of the curse would come upon. That the punishment for sin would come upon. The Bible says that Jesus made this statement. He says, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all to me. Now, I know that in your King James Bible, it probably says, or it does say, I will draw all men to me. But the word men is not in there. And if you read that in the context, he's not talking about drawing all men to him. He's talking about drawing, he's talking about judgment. And he says, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all judgment to me. So he's lifted up on the cross. And because he's lifted up on the cross, he draws all of this judgment upon himself. Now that's good news. That's what they need to hear. That's what they want to hear. Praise God. And so we have a responsibility to go into the world, but we have a responsibility when we do that we have the message Jesus told us to preach. That when we go into the world, that we expect a harvest. A harvest is plentiful. Jesus expects the harvest. Too many Christians expect to fail. Jesus expects harvest. Praise God. When you share with your friends, expect them to receive your message. Make sure you're sharing the right message. But expect them to receive your message. You see, that's why your testimony is such a powerful thing. Your testimony tells people how good God's been to you. And because he's been this good to me, I know he'll be this good to you. Praise God. And so we have a commission, but we can't expect somebody else to do it. And we can't, we can't water it down and ignore aspects of it. We've got to go into all the world and preach the good news. Just, it's a simple thing of follow the instructions. That's why we do what we do around here. You know, yes, we're building a church in Carlsbad, but the reason we're building a church in Carlsbad is not just about a church in Carlsbad. The reason we're building a church in Carlsbad is because there's a world out there that's waiting for us. 
Praise God. There's 105 people that in the next minute, they'll go into eternity. Let, let's, let's reduce that 72 number. Let's, let's reduce that number of those that go into eternity without Christ. Praise God. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. For everyone that is hearing my voice today, Father, to stir in them a compassion that when they look and they see the harvest field, Father, that they are moved with compassion. And I pray today in the name of Jesus, Father, that it will become their food. That world evangelism will become what they eat, what they drink, what they sleep, what they dream about. Begin to stir that on the inside of them. Father, that whatever their part of the whole is, Father, that that they begin to burn with compassion and they begin to Lord that it becomes such a such a thing in their heart Father that the thought of doing nothing to reach the world becomes unfathomable to them Whatever their part is, begin to show them this is what you can do. This is what you can, this is how you can be involved. This is your role in the harvest field. Lord, it's we're in the eleventh hour. And because it's the eleventh hour, you're drawing in those laborers. You're hiring more laborers to go into the harvest field. I want us to bring down the house lights. Why don't you take a moment If you want God to stir in you, if you want to get a vision, see when Jesus, he, he looked at the harvest field. He didn't, he didn't cover his eyes. He didn't ignore the harvest field. He had to look at the harvest field. And when he looked at the harvest field, he was moved with compassion. So if what we've shared today has touched your heart and you realize that Jesus is calling you to the harvest field I want you to just, just raise your hand right where you're sitting I had the house lights brought down for a reason so we don't look around and see who's raising their hand and who's not 
But I want you to just raise your hand if you realize that Jesus, the Lord of the harvest, is calling you to the harvest field. And I want to pray for you, everyone who has their hand raised. Maybe you're sitting at home watching online today. Just go ahead and raise your hand. Raise your hand too. Just because you're at home doesn't mean don't raise your hand. This is a participant thing. Raise your hand. And I want to pray for you. I pray in the name of Jesus that for everyone who has raised their hand, the reason they've raised their hand is because they've been touched by the Word of God today and they realize that there's a world you're calling us to. But just like Jesus was moved with compassion for the harvest, in the same way, Father, I want you to open open the eyes of their understanding. Open their spirit eyes to see the harvest like Jesus saw the harvest. So the beginning right now that they begin to look at the harvest different than they have before. I pray in the name of Jesus they begin to understand that we can't sit idly by and let this harvest go to spoil on the vine. But we've got to bring in this harvest because there are people whose lives are hanging in the balance. We can no longer have a somebody else will mentality. Father, I declare that in the name of Jesus. That it becomes a passion of their heart. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Maybe you're on the other side of this thing. Maybe maybe you're still part of the harvest that's on the vine. Maybe you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. I preach this message today because we love you and God loves you. I preach this message today because there are millions of throughout the world, billions actually, throughout the world that are exactly where you are right now. We've endeavored to stir up those that have already come into the family of God. But God's not satisfied with the ones that are already in. He wants you. And if you're hearing me say this today, He wants you. He wants you to be brought in. 
how does that happen? And I've shared in the message today that God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son that if you'll just believe upon him, you will not perish. You won't be left on the vine. But you will be saved. Now, that happens because you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. So would you pray this prayer with me? I'd like everyone to pray this prayer. The God in heaven, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me, that he paid for all of my sins so I don't have to pay for them. And he rose again from the dead so I could have new life. And today, I put my trust in Jesus for my salvation. I choose to receive the gift of salvation that you offer to me. Right now, in Jesus' name, thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. and We've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us and remember that God is madly in love 